Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Peter Cockill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're discussing Peter's lost passport. Peter, so you're not going anywhere. You've lost your passport. No, no, actually, it's not lost, and it never was lost. Oh. Um, the, 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 it was, but it was, it was temporarily End misplaced. End of podcast. Temporarily <laughs> misplaced. So um, it was last week. We we took uh, my five week old daughter for to get registered. Um, and where on, in France? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, well, yeah, we should have done really. Um, so yeah, she she now enjoys all of the drawbacks and problems of being a British citizen. Yeah, along with the rest of us. But yeah, so. Um, we're talking about proof of identity here, are so, we? So, yeah, yeah, so I needed some sort of... Well, the website... So it's another issue, not, not for this podcast, but the website said bring some photographic ID. Turns out you don't actually legally need it, so don't oh. bother if oh, you okay. can't find it. Um, but yeah, so it said bring a, pa- bring a passport or a driving licence. Um, so I had my driving licence, so it wasn't a problem. But I couldn't find my passport anywhere. And you know when you can't find something important like that, you start worrying about it and start trying to search for it, and even if you don't really need it. But turns out... So uh, in my in my office, uh, home office, I've got a shelf, and on that shelf are sort of the a general class of small, important but easily lost things, like your new baby. Um, well, she's not so small actually; anymore. she's a real <laughs> chunk. But the um, but that's where the passport lives, and it lives alongside things like USB sticks and the little thing you use to get the SIM card out yeah, of your phone, all the little things that yeah. would just fall between cracks and disappear. So mm. stuff like that lives up there. Um, uh, and, and and the passport. Anyway, I went went to went to get my passport about ten minutes before we went, left the house. It wasn't there. It was it was dun, invisible. Dun, dun. It wasn't there. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so we decided to go anyway, and I just used my driving, driving license. license. I said we didn't need it anyway. But when I got back, I thought I'll just check one more time, having checked about four or five times before we went out of the house, and it it was only bloody there, wasn't it? so like it was temporarily invisible but actually what had happened it was tucked under something that i just didn't think to move yeah had i just lifted this box yeah i'd have seen it bang there yeah okay so it got me thinking why is looking for stuff so hard yeah um why why do you know even when you knew where it was yeah uh i couldn't find it yeah yeah the thing that really bugs me is is the pot the mysterious pocket vortex yeah where you you you're looking for you know a pen which you know is in your pocket yeah. and so you rummage around in your pocket feeling for a pen and there's coins and there's keys and, you and there's you an put oyster it there. card and there's no bloody pen at all and you're like i'm sure there's a pen in here is that hole in my pocket so you see so you rummage around some more and it's not there and then you take things out one by one and then the bloody pen appears mm. where's it been Mm. it drives me mad it's in that vortex isn't it in the vortex yeah um unfortunately like so many of the podcasts we do they seem to sort of reveal certain negative characteristics about myself um and certainly this is one of them because i am dreadful at losing stuff i bet you're great at losing stuff oh yeah i'm yeah exactly that i'm great at losing stuff terrible at finding stuff and even worse kind of like what both of you are saying looking for stuff that I cannot find that is actually right in front of me. Mm. Just ask my wife, because um, she will happily go on about this for hours. Mm. Um, okay, so, yeah, I mean... Maybe, maybe we need a podcast on Fraser's failings and we'll get <laughs> yeah. Karina in as the expert. <laughs> yeah, it could be quite a long podcast, that one. Um, so, yeah, where, where do we go? What's the question we want to answer? Why is it so difficult well, to... Well, first of all... Go on, then. 
let's let's talk about losing stuff and how much of a problem that is. Okay. Right? Now, there is very little in the way of high-quality data out there. Mm. Snippets from which we are forced to make inferences, okay? Um, I uh, There's a lot of crappy surveys <clears throat> about how much people lose stuff, you know, in things like the Daily Express. Losing thing, things costs us three and a half days of productivity a year kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but not very much data. I mean, just well, on the crappy survey surveys time, allegedly, so one of them says that we spent 10 minutes looking for misplaced items uh, a day and that the average person surveyed lo- loses nine items daily. Uh, there's just who are then, these people yeah and then there's another one, items daily even another for me, thing called right mosey.com and then what that is published an estimate that people lose 1.24 items per year well so this is the problem with this kind of data mm. is i've got no idea there's a bit of a discrepancy there right yeah, unless you lose was nine, that nine a day or one a year yeah, if you lost yeah. 9p <laughs> would you call that nine separate losses of 1p you know there's a there's an issue there yeah but there's something of a discrepancy. But no, while we're on actual, so so go, trying to use real data and making inferences from it. Um, so the New York Metropolitan Transit Agency has apparently uh, 19,000 new items are turned in uh, each year, right? Now, the New York has a population of 8 million. So that suggests that each person has about a 0.2% chance of losing an item on the metro each year. Mm-hmm. Now, if you sort of think, well, perhaps a New Yorker spends an hour on the metro a day mm. so you, you and probably you know they're more likely to lose stuff while they're out and about you you're prob- probably looking at you know something like two three four percent chance of losing something um a year mm. it feels about right mm-hmm. let's uh and then then so passport applications this is now that's it again it's back of the envelope stuff but um about uh seven million passport applications per year mm. now <clears throat> i I can't work. They don't tell you how many of those are applications for renewal and so on. But apparently about 40 million people have a passport, which means that on average each year, about 4 million will be renewing because mm-hmm. they come to the end mm-hmm. of their passport. So we'll assume that 4 million of those applications. What about are new ones though? New people, about birth rate is about a million. Okay. You know, So we're talking about a million people who need one for the first time. So I think about 3 million people a year are asking for a, pass- a passport to be replaced which comes to a 7% annual chance that someone will lose their passport. Um, now, that's... that's uh, I call, Yeah, so I, that sounds very high to me. Yeah, it feels a bit high, yeah. But on the other hand, of course, passports are more likely to get lost, um, I think, you know, because you take them with you to places where you're moving around a lot. But also... And moving hotel rooms and repacking luggage and all of those things. So it's plausible that passports actually... Are, passports put themselves in high loss environments they do and um, but also in addition they do the same by doing exactly what happens with peter is passports get put in special places where it will never get lost right and that, and, and, right? and Which, those special places always suck things into the yeah, void yeah, yeah yeah and then finally i just i looked at birth certificates now obviously they they get far fewer airings um and you but but it but they do always end up they 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 live in the special place yeah, yeah. um and and again it's all about inferences but um uh, about 1.2 million people a year order new copies of birth certificates. Now, if the birth birth rates are about 0.7 million a year, which means that about half a million people per year are ordering new copies. So we're looking at, you know, under 1% of, of, of birth certificates go missing a year. 
I, I, I mean, I've, I've done, I've taken a lot of liberties there in, in the inference process. But what I'm saying is these numbers are not one in a thousand, nor are they one in three. You know, they're all about the same. What we're saying is that for a given object, you have around a three percent, three, four, five percent chance a year. So let's say between one and five percent chance of a year of losing it. Um, and I would say probably uh, that's that's obviously considerably higher for things you take out and about. I was going to say, Mobile unless you were phone, keys, wallet, unless you were unlucky to, enough to be born as an umbrella, and at mm. least one in two two times you're going to get lost. Essentially, exactly. I, I suspect that most umbrellas end up being lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe um, mine, umbrellas generate the vortex. Maybe they are. Yeah. they're the, the source of it. I think yeah. we're we're getting to a theory here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe it would be one that could encompass everything. What could yeah. we call that? An, an umbrella theory, maybe. Um, no, we're going to love my brilliant joke. Oh, sorry, I, didn't, I missed it. I was thinking about something else. <laughs> and a, a theory that encompasses everything. Maybe we could call it an umbrella theory. Oh, oh that, that is see. good, yeah. actually. It is, it is good. good. That yeah, is good. good. That joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peter, you're going to come in with something. Yeah, well, so, yeah, losing stuff is clearly... It's big business. I mean, there are sort of ah. technological solutions like little key rings that are Bluetooth or GPS yes. enabled yes. that you can clip on your keys. Um, and of course, you know, where's Wally Boost? And that's the whole point is to find something that you, isn't immediately that's, obvious. Yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah. It's, so there's a, there's a I think we want to do it. Um, and Nick is holding one up right now. Wow! Just to give you an idea how prevalent they are. Ironically, I was able to find the where Wally book really quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, well, well, what's frustrating, I think Nick alluded to, it, is trying to trying to research this. You know, searching for things like missing things or looking for things. You very inst- very very quickly bump into the massive paranormal guff that's on the internet, but also a load of a load of uh, health stuff. I certainly maybe this is just getting because my because advancing years, but sort of health related things like saying oh do you have ADHD because you can't look for things properly or have you got dementia because you keep losing things it's really impossible to research and then there's losing control of your bladder which is (laughs) well that's just a given that just happens you know Um, but I think the I mean for me losing stuff uh, is like the quintessential example of a constant frustration I have with the physical world. You know, yeah. it's a massive disadvantage in the physical world that you can't put your passport in more than one place, right? So I put I put the passport in. If I could create a sort of symbolic link to my passport, I'd put it in my pocket when I needed it in my pocket. But I, but it it would also be in the in in the safe or in the filing cabinet. Mm. But also, you would have in real you what you would want in real life is a is a search function. Yes, that's clearly you know the 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 response to only having one thing in one place is just having a good enough search function that you can just type in passport and it'll tell you where it is. Well, that's what I mean. I, I'm think I'm thinking like that would be handled by the same thing as being able to have it in more than one place at once because the search results are essentially a place mm. that the, the 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 passport also appears in. I've got another solution, which is that it's it's sort of tech, but sort of low tech, which is I always tell my wife where I'm putting stuff. So I will specifically. So you have an index. You have an index. Yeah. Your wife acts as an index. Yeah, but it's, but it's almost a sort of blockchain-based solution. She well. will it's never a forget. Ledger of where the where the thing has gone. You know, I can ask her where I put something. You know, where's that thing that's super important I put there? And I did it three years ago, but I will have told her this is where I'm putting this right now, so that you remember. And three years later, I'll ask her, and she'll go, "Well, it's there." Yeah, and she, it is. She, she, she's got superhuman abilities. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we 
Before we get on to the sort of practicalities and how we can fix it, yeah. which I think Peter has probably got loads of interesting ideas about that, I just want to chip in with a bit of philosophy. What do you think it means to describe something as lost? So You're in, wrong. <laughs> intuitively, yeah. I would say it's something that I can't find. Right, but see, now the reason that I think that's wrong is because actually we... You... You you can find it, can't you? Well, it, it still exists, right? So, so hopefully, see what it might. You, your first thought might be, well, it's if you don't know where something is. But actually, often you don't. You can't say exactly where something is. So, if there's a particular book that you own, for example, um, you wouldn't describe it as lost just because you couldn't tell me exactly which shelf it's on. Correct. Because the point is that you have a pretty good idea. It only comes lost when I try to find it, and I can't. Right, but actually, you know, the thing is that when you try, when you look in a certain place, yeah, let's say the place you think it's most likely to be, mm. which it would be a rational search strategy to start with the place where it's most likely to be, <clears throat> you eliminate that. The probability distribution updates, and so now it becomes, you know, it's probable that it's in some other place. Um, and you look in the next sort of highest, the next highest bit of the uh, of the probability distribution, and you eliminate that. But you still got the probability distribution is still one hundred percent that it's out there somewhere, right? Assuming yeah, it can't have been destroyed. If I haven't got it, it's lost. No, if it's not well, in it's my not hand. Tr- no, that's not true. Yes, it is. No, because you wouldn't describe something which you know where it is right now, which you know your wallet or something, which is maybe in your bag. You, you're not going to describe that as lost. What I'm trying to get to. Well, no, because I've got it. What I'm trying to get to, yeah. No, you haven't. It's not in your hand, though, is it? And you probably don't know exactly where in your bag it is. What I'm saying is, <clears throat> lostness is a matter of degree, okay. and not of kind. Okay. Uh, that's my. This is my argument. Okay. That actually, I think we describe things. We tend to describe things as lost if we have reached a point where we judge the cost of searching for them to outweigh the probability of finding them. So mm. you know. <clears throat> Obviously, you start by looking for your passport, and yeah. there's a huge amount of probability in the place where the things go. And so you look there first, but if it's not there, then it's okay. Well, maybe it's in an in tray, you know, or the, one of the piles of paper that you have in your house, and there's yeah. maybe five of those. Yeah. So you search those five, then it starts to get a bit worrying, and you think, well, I'm going to start, and now I'm going to have to start looking on shelves, just random shelves and drawers to see if it's there. Yeah. But when you, well, after that, you know, actually, that you, you then have a huge long tail of probability which encompasses more or less everywhere in your house including behind cupboards and those kinds of things yeah. um, and then of course when you eliminate that it's well somewhere else in the world yeah and and now it's not it's no in a sense like it's still in that bit of the probability distribution you haven't seen but it's now no longer worth trying to search for it so so there you go that's what i just thought i'd put that in there so it's a spectrum that, with a kind of seesaw moment right? i think like i think and i think it and that's where, where it comes down to the question of you know the search costs yeah. so lostness is an economic category of things yeah. where the cost of searching is higher than the um you know the cost of replacement something slightly comforting about that actually um yeah we're all lost but some of us are more lost, lost than others exactly yeah exactly um uh, where do we want to go peter well, we- okay, okay, just to build on that but when you as you're looking in places and and updating your probability distribution of where the thing is always bear in mind that there's uncertainty in your observations as well which is certainly the case when i was looking mm. for my passport mm. so i thought i'd looked in the place and it wasn't there but it actually was there right this is the issue of yeah a very and that's extremely important that at some point that remaining bit of probability out there to the right becomes 
um, actually actually become sort of uh, outweighed by the probability it's somewhere you've already looked. Um, and, and of course, the, the size of that, it depends on the thoroughness of your search capability. And a very, like give you a practical example of MH370, which is a project that we've done some work mm, on, mm, mm. Um, looking, uh, we did a sort of incidental bit of work supporting um, uh, some analysis of, of uh, sort of reviewing the, the analysis that had been done. And um, one, of, one of the issues of, you know, when you take a probabilistic approach to, um, to, to trying to assess, you know, so the probability distribution of where it actually might be, um, is that you can't actually totally eliminate, uh, you know, the area they've searched. And, they, you know, it's well, it's well understood that there's still probably a, some percentage, small number of percentage probability that it's somewhere that that's already been looked at. Um, and and so, you know, at some point, um, you it just becomes more likely that it's somewhere you've already looked than somewhere you're yeah. going to look. And, and uh, you know, it's, so, yeah, that's, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, you could you could you could attack this using mathematical modelling yeah. to identify an optional op, optimal search strategy for Peter's passport. But it, uh, I think we all intuitively understand that. I think we yeah. have evolved to do this. Yeah. And Peter, obviously, uh, you know, the fact that he looked for a fifth time suggests mm. that you know he was still that the amount of probability uh, left in that spot was still was still higher than the amount. Um, in anywhere else, and you know, despite in one place, yeah, and despite the naysayers, he is actually highly evolved. Well, um, yeah, um, doesn't look it, or yeah. smell it, but he is. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, let's we we need to kind of more or less get to a conclusion. Um, there is a question I want to ask, um, Peter. What do you want to say? Well, uh, just a sort of uh, just a sort of lament, really. That well, a couple of things. Couple a lament first that is. Second decade in the 21st century, and we still rely on bits of mashed up tree to prove our identity. <laughs> um, it, 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 surely, you know, it's about time we kind of digitized all of this sort of A lot thing. of it is, though. Yeah, I know. It's, it's an astonishing amount. I mean, I, so, so it's related to proving identity, but the, you know, we, when we registered Ada, we could have been two random people with a baby just registering a baby. Yeah. You know, There's no proof, there's no sort of way that they checked who we were. Yeah. Um, so the, the process of for, for, forging bits of identity like that could be relatively easy yeah. you know because and indeed uh, about six months ago i set up a new bank account and all that was just using my mobile phone it was looking at my face and me saying yeah. this is who i am and, and it, it more pretty much accepting it yeah yeah i mean i would I, I would personally um if if somebody presented themselves to me and said this is who i am i would be more more likely to trust them authenticating with their google account or their facebook account or some other identity provider than them presenting a passport because you can buy a passport. It's really hard to prove to falsify an identity on the internet. Quite a high um, proportion of passports are false as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know about British ones, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was just a moan. But um, but part of the research was because well, the phenomenon that I was particularly interested in, I was interested in was why did I fail to see the thing that was not? It wasn't immediately in front of me, but why did I fail to consider lifting this thing up and looking underneath? Uh, and I found a study uh, on an appropriately named the seeker dot com um, about why why we're bad at looking for things within our field of view. Mm. Uh, it's a study. Um, uh, we'll link to it, but it's a study from Aberdeen University of Aberdeen that um, suggests that the way that humans track and scan uh, around a scene when they're looking for objects, mm. um, they they we uh, we we t spend too long on uncluttered areas of the scene, 
compared to cluttered areas. Mm-hmm. So if you th- this this seems a good example. So Nick's coffee table is covered in stuff. And then there's the carpet around, which is relatively clear. If you were looking for something, your eyes would spend much more time on the clear space than they should do in the space it's more likely to be, which is the cluttered area, which I thought was was interesting. Sounds feel very intuitively right to me as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah. that that's absolutely right. You do. You go. You go and you look on the floor, and it's yeah. silly. Yeah. It's a bit like that joke about the you know the person looking for his keys under the lamplight because that's where the light is sort of thing yeah so, uh, apparently yeah. you meant to repeat the name of the thing you were looking for mm. i've heard that, that helps. qi i think I I th- yeah, yeah i think it was qi yeah but yeah. but yeah i, I think it definitely i mean i i i've always sort of the way that i try and look for things is by forming a really uh clear mental image of what it is you know what color mm. it is what shape it is and then and then i feel like that that's that then gives you a leg up otherwise you can actually get distracted looking yeah. for things you know and, and i feel like it's that's when it goes wrong it's like you think you're looking for it but you're really just staring at a pile of pile of stuff mm. um there's that phrase isn't there where it can't see for looking mm-hmm. which i think expresses something true yeah. you know yeah. that you're because yeah. you're making an effort to look for something somehow or other it becomes harder yeah um do, you've got I one think, more thing you want to say yeah just about the there is um some evidence that um that losing things is is correlated with a number of other sort of cognitive failing this, issues. Brilliant. Let's hear this. Right. So, this so is, cognitive acts uh, like failing, failing, including things like um, not being able to. Uh, well, it's basically losing focus, moving rooms, and forgetting why you yeah moved I do rooms. That. Um, not noticing changes to things. Yeah. Not noticing things like road signs that you should have paid attention to. Um, there are so there's a whole bunch of things to do with like the ability to focus cognitively and to retain that focus um and and uh there's some evidence i can't tell you how reliable it is Mm. and it's based partly on self-reporting but um there is uh some evidence it's genetic so you can't run in the family and you can perhaps blame your genes yeah well i do for most stuff yeah yeah um but i i think the the that to me the really the big menace for losing things the the real the when it when it all goes wrong yeah. is that i always think of there's sort of on grid and off grid right on grid means it's in one of the places you'd expect to find it right so peter's passport yeah. was on grid yeah, yeah you know it's if it's in my in tray you know i'm gonna find it if it's if it's in my it's one of my boxes of things i know i'll find it but when it's off grid that's when it's not in one of those places and you're and then there's that sense of yawning abyss of like well it could be anywhere and and i i find that the, that happens most often when i'm when i'm holding it i'm holding it <laughs> and i go into the next room and i'm not holding it anymore and and i think where the hell has it gone and 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 you look in your pockets and it's not there and then you know eventually out of the corner of your eye you realize you put it on some really high up shelf and you don't know why. In a you moment just, of absent-minded yeah, madness. Yeah, you had a moment of absent-minded because you were picking up something else, or you just and your and you your brain just thought, well, I'll remember where that is, but it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 when it is those moments of cognitive failure. And I I suspect, though I cannot in any way prove, but I suspect most things that get lost get lost in those moments. They get lost because someone puts something down and intends to pick it up but forgets to yeah. do so. Yeah, yeah, I'm terrible at that sort of thing. Um, look, let's wind up, but before we do, um. Again, an obvious question I want to ask, um, if you think it's an interesting one, which is worst thing. Uh, I have to confess, a lot of the time when I ask these questions, because I think I've got something 
you know that I want to say. Um, worst thing you've ever lost, or biggest thing you've ever lost, or your most painful ever loss. How does that sound? Apart from my dignity, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> too many times that there's yeah, yeah. So Nick, your most disastrous loss, or no, it's or one that's actually, most painful. It's or... interesting. One of the things I read during the research for this was uh, that losing objects can induce genuine grief. Mm. Um, you know, indistinguishable from the grief of losing a loved one in some cases, depending yeah. on the object. The, the object that I had a huge amount of affection for um, was my first pair of cufflinks that I bought at the age of 22 when I was just starting my new job. Yeah. Um, and I bought some smart shirts and, and, and I, but I knew I needed some cufflinks, so I bought a couple of pairs of cufflinks. And there was one that I really loved, um, which was they were kind of blue, the blue and, and sort of a nice blue shiny colour with, with a little green square of mm. shiny colour mm. inside it. And I loved those cufflinks. And, um, uh, and you know, they went, I'm not going to say they went everywhere with me, but, you know, I, I, I kind of, every time I put them on, I think, oh, I'm wearing my first pair of cufflinks. And then I left them in a hotel room. Oh. Yeah, I, I know I did. I know I know exactly where I left them. Uh, it was after a wedding that I'd been to. And, and it still bothers me. Yeah. Still nags at me. Weirdly, weirdly a, uh, we, we got burgled about sort of six, seven years ago, and, and, and the burglar stole half my cufflinks. Half. They're in a tray and somehow we took half of them and of course of the ones that were remaining only about half of them were actually still pairs yeah so uh but that doesn't annoy me anything like as much as losing uh, losing uh, that yeah. pair of cufflinks but i but i also i mean if there was one thing i could restore to the earth it would be my daughter's hello kitty which she loved and she took it everywhere with her and then when she was she must have been about three or four i think uh, she was going to the park with Hello Kitty, and she put Hello Kitty in the back of her little little kind of trike. And when they when she got to the park, it had gone. It had gone, and it wasn't anywhere to be seen on the road on the way back. And obviously, Hello Kitty's disappeared forever, and yeah. it still bothers it bothers her. And as a result, it bothers me. Yeah, scarred for life. But I think I mean I like to think Hello Kitty was found by another little girl who's given her a good. Yes, home. there we go. Yeah, 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 yeah we yeah. can we can we can hope for that. Uh, Peter, my, my story is very similar to the Hello Kitty. I right. had I had a little Ted. Yeah, uh, I think uh, it must have been six or seven or eight. Uh, we 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 took a trip to to Disneyland in Florida. Is it Disney World? One of them. Mm. Florida I think one. It's, I think it's World. There. Disney World, yeah. right? Um, and uh, little Ted disappeared one day, uh, just out of the blue. Um, I was utterly distraught. As you can imagine, and uh, so as a result, my parents were, and Little Ted's never been replaced. That was the last. Sort of ten Come on, Disney Corporation, find yeah. Little Ted. Yeah, so Little Ted's never been petition. replaced. He was, he was the last sort of primary little, you know, primary sort of thing that went with me everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I eventually of my life to not have stuff around that one incident. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't don't form affect. It don't form any kind of affection <laughs> attachment oh God, to physical completely... items. Because of that one, life, that by one. little Ted's disco. Yeah. yeah, but wait. Sorry, what year was this? I think I must have been six or seven. I think. Right. Okay. I want, if if anyone who works at Disney is listening, <laughs> go and well, look in your lost property he box wouldn't, and find. Yeah. It wouldn't Ted. have been yeah. lost at actually at, at Disney. It'd have been lost in the hotel. That's okay. They can in still yeah. the hotel in Disneyland. No, it wasn't the it wasn't yeah. an official Disneyland hotel. So Disney's not culpable for oh, the loss okay. of Little Ted. So I have I have many many examples of the sorts that you talked about. You know that I've got the exactly the same for me. However, um, there's there's something else which stands out a little bit differently, which is the my employer for my for my regular stuff that I do, which is making films, um, as well as being unwise enough to employ me in the first place, 
one of the other things they regularly do is send me around the world with thousands of pounds worth of film gear okay and on many occasions more than i more than anyone you would found do. yourself selling it no, no no on many occasions you know i've been somewhere going huh where's all that where's all that thousands of pounds of film gear when i'm in some sort of foreign place and can't quite speak the language and and it always manages to quite work out um but i think probably the worst example of that is i had come back from france i'd been filming there there i think it was in january this year and um and quite often what i would do if it's at the weekend instead of taking the gear straight back to my work i take it back home with me um and then take it in on my commute on a monday morning um on which i get on a train overland train what it was actually how I discovered this was I was actually going back again to France to do some more filming was starting to pack my gear when I realized actually most of my gear was missing <laughs> and this is this was two weeks and I sort of started tracing my steps back and I realized that the most likely thing that had happened was about two weeks previously that I'd come in on the train on a Monday morning and because usually on my journey I don't have anything with me just a bag just felt normal when you yeah, got off I yeah. just basically I just sailed off the train and walked into work um, and in the process left about £20,000 worth of film gear on right. a train did you get it back so having sort of figured all this out I went to Lost Property um, in, in Liverpool Street and um, I go there quite panicky and this Polish guy's sort of you know helping me out and he sort of just goes well hold on and he disappears behind a screen and he comes back holding all these big black bags which <laughs> and I nearly collapsed at his knees and was just so yeah so um yeah what can I say don't leave me in charge of anything that, that might get lost so so yeah so it all worked out it all worked out okay all right um well let's stop there um thank you as always for listening to the cognitive engineering podcast I'm Fraser McGrew we've been here with Peter Coggle and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights until next time goodbye <laughs>